Anyway. Ready? Um, Ready for this? Well, this is fun. We haven't started yet. This yeah, is this, this is, is just the, the This preview. is unofficial the chats. This is unofficial yeah. chats. You'll know when it's official chat because the quality of chats will go through the roof. Okay. We now, we've, now, we've now ventured into official chat now. Yep. That's so, official chat right there. Guys, I've got a question for you. Ready for this? Yep. True or false? Someone that spread lies and misinformation on the internet is called a crop. <laughs> it's the failed Rockstar Club. True or false then? And I'll give you an example. Steve, he's put on a bit of timber. He now wears a bra. He dresses up like an old lady at night. He's a right old pussy boy. That would be being a crub. Mm, you say I that. have another word for that. Yeah. So what do you think? Crub. True or false? Mm, I feel like I'd have heard... That's just a troll, isn't it? Mm. I'm, I'm saying false. Raph? I'd say false. True. It's true. Mm-hmm. I think it's American. Mm. American skit. How you spelling crub? C-R-U-B. Crumb. Yep. Would you be allowed to use that on a Scrabble board? Uh, it was on the Urban Dictionary. So no. <laughs> no. So yeah, it's good enough for me. But yeah, crop. Okay. Person that spreads misinformation on the internet. Um, so, on that bombshell, hi everyone, welcome to the Failed Rockstar Club podcast. The podcast that talks to musicians about their journey in music, um, mental health and a little bit of fashion, which I know you're going to be very full of information about, Raf. Um, yeah, so Raf at the moment, we're on Zoom for everyone, for our, our listeners, um, talking to a friend of ours, Raphael Knapp. Very close friend. Very close friend. And he's wearing a lovely nice, nice. shirt, unbuttoned to the navel. A cardigan, is that a cardigan? A sensible Marks and Spencer's cardigan, <laughs> it looks like. It's, it's my take on Steve's take on Russell Brand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Second-hand brand. Yep. Third-hand brand, really. And I'm wearing a teddy bear <laughs> Christmas jumper. <laughs> yeah, just to paint a picture. Um, so before we get into the delving into Raph, Raph's crevices, um, Jez, can you please tell the good people... Um, who we are, where we are, and how can you find us, please? Good, good people of Japan, mostly. So, hello, I'm Jez. That's Steve, the other voice you can hear. We are in Manningtree today, in our warehouse. Uh, the warehouse of Best Days Vintage, that's our shop. Uh, because the shop's not open, so we would usually do it on a Monday night in the shop. Now we're doing it on a Tuesday morning. That's right, in Manningtree, which is on the border of uh, Essex and Suffolk. Which, for our longer-term listeners, is a little nod back to the last yes, lockdown. Yes, the last right? lockdown, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're up on the mezzanine, we're overlooking our little hub of activity down there. There's people loading product onto our website. There's Flossies there making something out of uh, vintage material. It's lovely. Mm. And here we are. Okay, and where can you find us? Well, you can find us at bestdaysvintage.co.uk. That's, that's the important part. And all the social media especially, platforms. Especially during lockdown. Yes. Uh, you can't really go to the shop right now, so you're welcome to spend loads of money with us on the website instead. Mm. And we do ship to Japan, so remember that, Japanese <laughs> listeners. Did you do a little uh, hint I want to uh, uh, get into this part of the, uh, the thing about okay. the Japanese listeners, um, I'm very intrigued by this. Do you have a question for our Japanese listeners? Uh, funnily enough, I do have a question mm-hmm. for our, from our Japanese listeners, mm-hmm. which I received via the interweb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did I write it down, or did I just think of it when I was driving here today? So, Jez, this <laughs> yes, is thanks. from a regular listener, um, apparently called Michiko. Yep. And she 
has been listening for a while now, mm-hmm. and she is really interested to know whether or not you've had any experience with women, no. <laughs> with, uh, with Japanese people in general. Have you? Had, oh, right. Have okay. you met Japanese people before? And if so, did you learn anything off them or their culture or any kind of thoughts wow. about your take on the the good people of Japan? It's all gone a little bit. Uh, the guy who's the guy out of Michael Palin. It's got mm. a bit Michael Palin. Yeah, Gen- uh, genuine well, question. I, when we used to work in London, the uh, big urban carnivation in the southeast of England, we would have a lot of Japanese customers. They were big fans of the the vintage clothes, mm-hmm. and in fact, we had a couple of Japanese employees as well, work yeah. colleagues. Colleagues. Uh, one of them did share some Japanese culture with us, a few words. She told us how what taking a dump was <laughs> Japanese, which has uh, stayed with me. What, which is? Unkushitai. Unkushitai, okay. Mm-hmm. I can say watashi wa jis this. Okay. Which is, you know, my name is mm-hmm. Jess. Uh, and I always found them to be very, you know, I like to generalise, mm-hmm. but I found them to be a very polite and respectful bunch of people. Okay. Well, probably so, you should say that because yeah. she, had a, she had a follow-up question. Yep. <laughs> oh, he's such a racist. Is it true? I'm reading this, so don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> I was once in a Japanese magazine as well. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. There you go. Yeah. English culture. Yep. Clothing. Is it true your nose <laughs> comes through the door 30 seconds before your face? <laughs> bit out of order. <laughs> that is a bit out of order. I expect better from Michiko. She's been listening... From early on, she'd know how sensitive I am about the size of my nose. <laughs> so, so that's out of that, order. That's isn't it? disrespectful. Exactly. It's quite the opposite of your country people. <laughs> uh, but it is true, yes, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. But that's. Like I said, don't shoot the messenger. Well, I'm, just re- I'm, just reading, I'm just reading from a, a genuine, genuine question from our Japanese. Mm. Raph, what you got a question about Japan, right? Or just J- Japan in general, or the culture? <laughs> what? Yeah, full of them. No, I, yeah. Let, let's save the uh, the Japan segment for a bit later, perhaps. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, let's let's, let's, let's introduce Raph. Yes. So that vo- other voice you can hear is Raph, Raphael Knapp, who was the bass player in our musical projects. So he's been on a lot of our journey with us. But when the band split up, he stayed in the music industry, whereas we did new. <laughs> did new stay in the music industry. So that's why he's well, on the you podcast. You say that, but you know, your, uh, your Christmas singles. Well, true. Well, that's we like are still very much frustrated musicians. Music industry. Aren't we? But yeah, yeah, we don't get much uh, uh, help from the industry. It's all off our own back. So we're gonna we're gonna be talking mainly about life as a um, sound engineer, right? This is what kind of the area we're gonna kind of focus a little bit more in today. We want we want to ask you a little bit about how you've got there, because um, I think that'd be quite interesting for people listening that might be actually interested in that and how you get into that career and that industry. Um, but I think to start with, we want to kind of introduce us all a little bit our weeks and ask mm. you, Raph, what is your song of the week? Well, I've had a little think about this. I, I was going to go depressing, uh-huh. but I decided not to, after all. I had a, a little brainwave based on news received uh, this morning, so very topical. I'll tell you what I was going to go for. I was going to go, you probably had it already, I'm sure you have, um, Black Mirror by Arcade Fire. Mm-hmm. It's not really so much a song of the week, but more a song of our time. <laughs> yeah. um, has, has anyone had that before? No, not that no, I'm aware no. of. Well, no. Okay, but then I thought, hang on, maybe there's a bit of uh, bit of positivity coming through. Have you heard about the uh, th- this vaccine? Mm. Well, that seems that was to be my song of the week. Was going to be the vaccines? Yeah. Ah, uh, well, sorry. Yeah, I got there first. <laughs> sorry about that, Jess. Um, <laughs> Maybe you chose a different song. I chose one called A Lack of Understanding purely because the the first line, I think, of the song is, it's only been a year, but it feels like a lifetime here. Ooh. Which I thought was quite apt. Yep. So there yep. you are. The Vaccines yep. is my nice. song of the week. Do you, um, are you excited about this prospect of a vaccine or are you a bit of an anti-vaxxer? <laughs> no, 
I'm I'm definitely pro-vax. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it'll take a while. You've had it, haven't you? I think I have. I had a test, but it came back negative. But apparently, having those kind of tests isn't. Yeah, it doesn't always show that you've had it. Okay, because I remember so, you. I don't know. You said at the first time round, right, when it was all starting to kick off, I remember we had these conversations and you were bedridden, temperature, et cetera, et cetera, right? So all the kind of classic yeah. signals. But this is before yeah, we really I'm knew pretty, much about I'm it. Pretty, I'm pretty sure I had it. But like I say, I had an um, antibody test and it came back negative. But okay. I don't believe it. So you reckon you had it? But yeah. I'm, yeah. A, I'm a big believer in science, apart from when it doesn't suit my own narrative. <laughs> sure. There you go. Yeah. Um, Bad science yeah. is no science. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it'll be it'll be massive um, as long as enough people take it and we can get hold of it. But hopefully that will happen. So it'll probably take about a year and then hopefully start getting back to normal quite quickly, which will be good for us all. I mean, yeah, for me as a sound engineer, I need this to happen quickly. Um, lots of people, obviously who aren't sound engineers who also need it but yeah in terms of what I do I'm, I'm mainly a live engineer or, or was <laughs> until March so yeah fingers crossed we can get back to gigs and things like that very soon yeah Jez song oh, of the week well I'll have to have a quick re- <laughs> quick rethink or like. S-O-T-W okay is that what we're abbreviating it's very hip to do that isn't it uh, so well, last minute rethink. I was going to go with the vaccines, obviously too, but sorry, that's okay. I tell you what, I'll pick. So, you know, we were going to record a cover of a a local band for yeah. our emails. Yeah. So I was fiddling around on my keyboard as you do, and a song's playing on the stereo. Do you remember that song, "A Promise" by Broken Records, Raf? No. You don't know that song? Well, it's one of those songs I've heard. A million times, and I've always loved it, but more because of the music. I haven't really listened to the words, and then I was, I looked up the lyrics, and I was like learning how to working out the chords and playing it. Read the lyrics, and they were, it was quite sad, quite sad lyrics. But playing it along, I sort of got new. There was a new depth to a song that I'd heard you loads clicks. of times. Yeah, you, connect, you know, it's amazing when you connect with something, and that's it. It's, yeah, you were under it well and truly. It was, yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. So yeah, nice. a promise by Broken Records. It's quite an old song. It's like mid two thousands, I think. Yeah, okay. it's generally it quite a beautiful. It's, it's song. a beautiful song. Yeah, I'd recommend that. But it's sad. It's, it turns out it's about uh, some somebody who's died and they're burying them, but they'd made a promise to the person that died. Well, okay. Which is probably a few of them going around at the moment. Well, exactly. So my s- well on that. My song isn't quite as deep as that. <laughs> Here we go. What a surprise. I've chosen... I've chosen Guns N' Roses, Paradise City. Okay. Because I've spending a lot more time being locked around in Colchester and... One of the nicknames of Colchester, isn't it? Paradise City. Well, actually, and I started thinking, the only two requirements for Paradise, according to Axel Rose, are green grass and pretty girls. Yep. Which is a... Basically, a that's it. He's, he's easily pleased, um, and I thought that basically sums up Colchester. <laughs> lots of parks, greenery, and lots of pretty girls. Oh, lovely, lovely. Um, but this is this is a temporary feeling that you have. It's only for this week. Uh, well, I like that bit. And I, is... Then I go the other way and yeah. shit old town when I start thinking about the traffic when you're trying to drive around because it's a freaking nightmare driving around Colchester. There is a song called Shithole Town, isn't there? Could be, yeah. Um, cross town traffic. Cross, cross town, town traffic. traffic. Yeah. That's what'll be next week if he's in a bad mood. Yeah. You so never you can, can tell. You don't know which Steve you're going to get. No. Okay. Well, I have to say, actually, the last... Uh, I have been listening to your series. Good and work. I have to say, Steve, the last couple of... Uh, Episodes, you've been quite the cheery one. <laughs> it's lovely to hear. I know. I thought you were going to say, yeah. isn't it? I thought you were going to say well really funny. <laughs> no, let's not be ridiculous. Quite funny. Quite funny yeah. and entertaining. Keeping you entertained for your hour. That's right. Well, how are you listening to Thank it? Thank you, Raph. That's kind of you yeah. to say. Well, that's that, good. That you've been right. listening. And Jez, obviously, you're, you know, you're on a level. Right, yeah. Cheery, cheery always. Yeah. So. Let's take that as a given. 
Um, so, yeah, moving on to actually talking about you. Let's talk about you. So tell us a little bit about how, how you saw it, what, the demise of the band. Just a little bit about how you saw that hap- coming. And, and then how you moved into your... Yeah, how you felt about that and how you kind of had to pick up the pieces. I don't know if you'd say it was like that. I mean, we've kind of all been through that journey. How did you feel? How did you make that happen? Because you, you were the one who actually sort of made the decision to yeah. call time in the end. I, well, I'm, I might have been the one that said it, but I think we were all probably thinking it. Um, yeah, it was tough. It was tough, I think, for quite a while the writing was on the wall. I think um, when our manager at the time uh, said that he couldn't carry on anymore, I think it felt like it felt like that was probably the time to stop. But I think we carried on a little bit longer, didn't we? We we kind of worked with another manager for a while, and it he was did. kind of he was rubbish. It, yeah, it was, it was rubbish. It was scraping the bottom of the battle uh, barrel, sorry, uh, a little bit. Um, so I think we we knew for a little while that it probably wasn't going to carry on in the way that we've been trying to make it work, which was you know as our main profession. But in a way, it was sad because we had got to a point where we were doing these great shows, at least like once or twice a year. And a lot of people were coming. You know, we would sell out kind of three, four hundred capacity venues, weren't we? And and it it was really sad. It was a real shame because there was obviously, there was always a reason to carry on. There was always a a carrot that could be dangled. But um, yeah, I mean, what had it been 10 years, I think, that we'd been together for at least for us three and, and Nick as well um, so yeah so after that I mean I did you find it hard yeah, I think I was, did you find I it difficult find it hard. I, I, yeah I, I, I was kind of floundering around wondering what my purpose was and what I'd be doing I was brilliant oh. <laughs> I was um, yeah I was probably I had my head in the clouds a little bit for a long time I thought you know we were definitely going to be in a band and we were going to make it and we were going to earn loads of money and that would all be fine and everything else would take care of itself so I didn't have a backup plan I had nothing um, that I was going to slickly move into but I had a bit of a buffer because I did start getting into a bit of session work um, straight away pretty much after the band ended and that felt quite cool for a while and I was working with some cool bands and we did a few tours and um, I thought maybe that would take off and I kind of yeah just slip slip nicely into kind of another role and it wouldn't be too difficult still playing bass but I mean that that worked for a little while and then you know it, it just wasn't earning enough money and I was still working in a call centre you know just to pay the rent and stuff like that and that was just horrible so then after a little while I decided to retrain um, and yeah it, it was quite an easy decision to to become a sound engineer I think because I had so much experience in recording studios and obviously playing gigs live and there was an interest there and so I found a course and I signed up and it was a live specifically a live engineering course and it was like a really short um intensive five-month course and there was a lot to learn and yeah I mean I'm, I'm not of a technical kind of persuasion I've never done anything technical at school or college so it was a bit of a baptism of fire but it got me enough skills just to get a, a small job working in a small venue and that was great um you know the first place I went to to ask for a job they gave me one so that was incredible wow yeah I worked there for about three or four years and it was with like kind of gypsy folk kind of Eastern European music. So loads of acoustic instruments, quite hard, um, you know, to, to get everything sounding nice. But it was, you know, using a small analog desk in a small room. So perfect, perfect place to kind of learn how to do it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I needed to get better. I needed to, you know, learn a lot more. Um, so I went back to college and I did a, a recording course which was a bit longer and that's where all the information that I'd learned the first time really kind of sunk in and I got loads more confidence from that and then at the end of that course I got a job at um, the Blues Kitchen 
and they've got a few venues in London and I ended up kind of being technical manager for a couple of them so I was there for about six years until March this year oh, yeah. Classic. Um, when we all lost our jobs <laughs> Do you... but actually well I, I decided to quit that job anyway and yeah. I was doing kind of freelance work with bands going on tours um, yeah did Glastonbury last year with a band that I met at Blue's Kitchen so things were all looking really good and I was like in a really positive good place and yeah feeling like it was definitely the right decision and I've been doing a bit of recording work as well I've got a music charity job that I work at where part of my role is working with a, a, a youth band where I kind of record their albums and singles and stuff like that which is great so yeah it's been an interesting journey but um, I don't really play anymore which is a bit of a shame. Do you miss I mean, it? We get together. Yeah, I do, I do. We get together like every five years or something. And uh, and that's always fun. I enjoy that. But yeah, I would like to play a bit more. But it's just, there's no time. I've got a three-year-old daughter. Um, and yeah, so just life gets in the way really, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, I've been droning on forever, sorry. Do you, because I suppose when you're in a band, <laughs> to do it properly, you have to kind of you've got to go you've got to go balls deep right you've got to commit um and if you're just faffing about with it it's never good it's just what's the i i maybe i'm wrong here but it feels a bit like what's the point because to do it you need to kind of give it your all in a yeah, way I think so. unless you I are space so. unless you take it like literally i just don't care i'm just going to turn up and just piss about my mates for an hour in the recording studio it probably depends what your role is as well it depends on the type of band. I mean, there are bands where it's like, you know, you've got a, a songwriter or a songwriting partnership and then the rest of the band are kind of hired help. So you probably could. I mean, as a bass player, yeah. that that often is the case. You know, you're, you're there to kind of play the parts that you've been told to play or record the parts that you've been asked to record. And you can kind of not invest fully in one specific project. But I think if you're... If you're in a band like we were, and it was kind of, you know, it, there, there wasn't a hierarchy, it was kind of, we were all in it together, then, yeah, you, you can't you can't do that half-heartedly, I don't think. You do have to spend the time rehearsing and writing and, yeah, and going on tours and making sure people can see you. And I mean, it's probably even harder now than it was for us. Um, yeah, you have to be entrepreneurs. I don't think we were at the time you guys went on to be yeah. but at the time I you think yeah, we, we, we needed a team around us didn't we we were always hoping for a manager and booking agents and all that kind of stuff to kind of help us and mm. push us in a direction because maybe we weren't quite sure what direction to go in ourselves sometimes yeah we all say that we felt like we were kind of floundering a little bit and looking for listening to the last person to give you the advice when really if you had your time again we should have been a lot more kind of Headstrong, headstrong with yeah. our own decisions and be our beliefs and our mission, I guess. Yeah, I d yeah, I don't think we believed in ourselves enough mm. as a band, which is uh, probably why yeah. you're always looking. And also, it's like having someone else take that responsibility away from you to be like, I just all I want to do is turn up and play my songs. You know, mm. that side of life was always an, an annoyance, wasn't it, for all of us? Because none of us wanted to have to organize things, organize the tours, <laughs> yeah. or that. And we were actually quite good at it, I think, as a as a band from that sort of point of view we're quite independent but we yeah I don't know I think also at the time it was so important like for an ego as well or to be seen as being like the next level to get that kind of get those people in and be able to tell people I've got a booking agent and I've got a manager and I've got this and I've got a lawyer and I've got whatever but, else I mean we kind of did have all those things yeah at, at one time or at another at a certain point yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, so I mean, it, I, I feel like it is one of those hard luck stories for us. It could so easily have happened. Yeah. Um, maybe in a way for the best that it didn't. <laughs> at, at a certain time, I think mm -hmm. we, we might have had a quite a difficult relationship as a band back when it was fans of Kate. I agree. Um, we said that at the time. We say it's probably yeah. for the best in hindsight because I don't know if we were being ready for it really mentally and like fragile particularly me like, with, like how fragile it's like I don't know whether we can kind of cope with the kind of 
it's hard enough dealing with the rejection as it was without kind of you, like you at that time then were different you, you were different to how you are I feel like you weren't as fragile as you are maybe you know, yeah. in some ways yeah I'd probably agree with that too yeah yeah I think you're, when your role changed and you are like the, the main guitarist I think yeah that was quite a burden on your shoulders I think you took that a lot to heart and I think yeah maybe when there was Jamie kind of taking the limelight you could kind of enjoy yourself a bit more mm-hmm. I think you probably were a bit relaxed but I mean I know what you're saying as well just in terms of emotionally um, yeah no one ever likes criticism and I'm sure Fans of Kate would have been one of those bands that would have been like Marmite you know yeah. you would have Oh, yeah. Probably a lot of people would have hated it. Yeah, Jamie would have made sure. That would have been quite difficult. Yeah, that would have been quite difficult for us to do. Oh, definitely. Talking of um, sound engineering stuff, and I've always wanted to know this question is there like a massive difference between like a small venue with a smaller desk compared to doing like a really big place that's got like a big motherfucker desk? Is is it literally the theory is the same? It's just on a bigger scale, or is it? Is there a real big difference in the way it works? I'm not really. There, there is a big difference, um, and I'll try not to get too technical. Yeah, I don't want to bore anyone. But we're a couple of laymen. Lay guys. I think essentially it's easier in a bigger venue. Oh, okay. you're not dealing with so many difficult variables. If you're in a small room, yeah and you're trying to get like a rock band with a very loud drummer let's say classic yeah to sound good that's really really hard in a small room because like I think you were saying in a previous podcast it's all about the vocals right you Mm -hmm. need to hear the vocals yeah that's why people go and you know invest in a band because they're listening to the singer and it's like the focal point and if you can't hear that yeah and it's a wall of noise I mean, you could get carried away with the atmosphere. If you know the band already and you yeah. know all the songs and you know all the words, you probably don't care. Yeah. You're there for the atmosphere mm. and it's like, oh, it's loads of energy and that's great. But I think if, you're, if, if you do care about hearing the singer, then it's just much easier in a bigger venue because there's room to breathe. Yeah, yeah. And the whole band can express themselves and it's not claustrophobic. And the sound engineer can get all the elements together and you can hear everything properly in the PA. The PA is obviously bigger. You've got subs, you've got tops, and everything kind of fits in its right place. But yeah. in a small venue, everything gets mushed together, and it's just that much more difficult. But having said that, I think most people will probably say that they prefer playing in a small venue just because of the atmosphere. Okay. And probably crowds prefer being in a smaller room. Because it's, you know you see the whites of the eyes of the musicians, and you really, really get into the the intensity. What do you What do you prefer? Do you prefer like Do you shit yourself when you've got a massive desk and you're like, "Fucking hell, everyone's watching me here," or do you think, "Yes, this is going to be good fun," or do you prefer it? No, I'm, I'm I'm definitely more nervous in a in a bigger space. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for instance, last year, <laughs> I'll go back. I'll go back to the Glastonbury moment. Sure. Um, yeah. Not to blow my own trumpet, but yeah, I mean that was that was terrifying. We were headlining um, one of the one of the tents on the Thursday night, and I was working with this ten ten piece brass band on this desk that I'd never used before. And there were three thousand people inside the tent, and probably about another three thousand people outside of it. And I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet. Is that one of those moments you have nightmares about when you wake up going, oh, "Fuck, it's all on me." What does this button do? <laughs> Yeah, I had total imposter syndrome. I was like, what am I doing here? I have no idea. Yeah. And luckily, you know, there's always like a house engineer that is there who's, you know, if there isn't an engineer with the band, they'll do the band. Yeah. There is an engineer that comes with the band and they'll obviously help them out. Yeah. And because it's a festival as well, everything has to be bam, bam, bam. Yeah. So you have, like, you've got a sound check that lasts like five seconds. Yeah. And then the band are on. But, I mean... How did it go? You know, that... It was great. It was brilliant, and everyone loved it. And somehow, yeah, just managed to get through it. And, Did they know, all turn round and applause you and say, "Fucking hell, mate!" <laughs> the sound yeah. man. Let's give him encore Definitely. for the sound man. In my head, that's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but yeah, you, you get you get that adrenaline, and, and you somehow get through it. 
Yeah. I've had, but having said that, I've had experiences where it's all gone completely wrong, and it's been my fault. And I'm <laughs> What's your, let's hear the worst one. Let's hear the worst one. The worst, well, actually, the worst one. I can't remember the name of the singer, but she was actually quite well known. And I'd done a gig for her at like a little private members club. And we got on really well, and she was like, oh, yeah, will you come and do this gig? I've got a new single coming out. It's for a new album. It's probably my last one. I'm going to have kids, and, you know, I just want it to be a really special night. And there was a venue in East London, and I turned up, and I'd asked for a higher desk to be brought in, a digital one, and the digital desk basically broke, and I didn't know what to do. And the gig went ahead, but everything was messed up on the desk, and there was, like, basically no sound coming out of PA it was just coming through the monitors and there was feedback everywhere oh. and you know there was loads of press like, oh. here and there because it was like a big big gig for her and I was just getting you know murderous stares from the stage oh, like, her no. manager was like behind my shoulder going what's going on come on what's going on oh. I was like I can't do anything like it's broken I don't know and I yeah that was like a yeah, an experience all. I'll never forget. But you learn from them, and you no, know, it happens to everyone. Even the best engineers will have an experience. Like and that. did you learn? It's did like, you learn what it was? Coming. Like, did you after after the event be like, "This is what the problem was. I can fix that next time." Or were you just still to this day go, "I have no fucking idea what happened there." Did you try to turn it off and turn it on again? I, I did that multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it didn't work. Oh god. <laughs> um, I, I think I know what happened. But, yeah, you know, it was yeah. partly panic and yeah, partly yeah. just pressure. Unlu- unlucky and pressure. Was it working in the sound check? Or did it just not work the whole time? Or? Yeah, no, everything was fine in the sound check. Oh, yeah. It was genuinely a classic tale. I've got a knot in my stomach from you telling the story. Oh, yeah. I feel it's like... It's fucking stressful, isn't it? Yeah. I'm getting, like, second-hand angst. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, I'm here. I survived. Yeah. And, and I... maybe the difference is between someone like you who actually gave a shit compared to someone like I, I think back to the, the time that as a band that we played the, um, Notting Hill at Deaf Disco when the sound kept cutting out and we were on stage going oh my god and we took it to heart like it was our fault and I wonder now yeah. looking back whether the sound engineer yeah. was going what, what was happening with him or her like were they just stressing the fuck out or were they just sitting there going I just couldn't give a fuck or were they the ones turning it off it was I, probably I, us it was probably our dodgy equipment yeah I do wonder whether mm, or not I, I always suspect sabotage <laughs> Like, yeah. I was going to talk about this our gear was so shoddy and it was so inappropriate you remember I had that bass amp that Ampeg the massive cab, beast like 12 by 6 speaker yep. cab and we'd take it to like the bloody bar flight yeah. and I'd be like yeah well you know this is this is fair this is appropriate yeah. for 50 people yeah. Um, yeah we just hadn't got a clue and yeah I'm sure some of our dodgy electrics played a part and it was just but it's weird that it kept working again like you could it's almost like it was flipping it was flipping the fuse and he kept turning the fuse back on and it would work then it would fuse it was always the same part of the song as well it was so frustrating I do think it was the electrics like there was some like what something had like a dodgy wire to it or something or a fucking plug that kept shorting or but that, yeah. that's one of those moments I've, I flash back when I'm lying in bed not being able to sleep that's one of those moments that comes back to me Makes me want to puke. <laughs> I feel your pain. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder what the sound engineer was thinking at that time as yeah, well. Yeah, he was crossed my mind. Because they must, yeah, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? But you must be thinking they were going, "Fucking hell!" You know, because there's loads of people here for it. It's all going wrong. What the fuck? You know, from that's their point of view. Genuinely, the most music industry people we had in one room for anything we ever did. It was like, yeah. of course, that was the one where everything fucking went wrong. Um, do you ever get jealous, like when you're doing doing? Oh, that? I was going to ask. Um, watching the bands or do you are you able to disassociate yourself with the performance to what your job is or do you ever think oh, fucking I wish that was me like as an ex-performer I don't know if it's jealousy I, yeah, I have um, pangs of like oh yeah I remember what that felt like I wouldn't go as far as to say jealous because I enjoy what I do now as well yeah but um, in, a, in a different way I suppose it's a different part it, of the brain that's getting getting the yeah. joy I suppose yeah rather absolutely. than the ego <laughs> I mean if, if I was at a gig like I can imagine from your point of view if you're standing in the audience and you're watching a gig and you're just like oh fucking hell I want to be up there if I was the same if I was in the audience and I wasn't working and I was watching a band and it was great and I was enjoying it but not really enjoying it because I was just a bit like oh, I used to do that yeah 
but it is a bit different when you're when you're working because your 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 brain is just focused on the job working. yeah focused and, and you're, you're you're trying to kind of add your own element to it so you feel like you're a part of it but that's why i probably don't feel jealous I think that's probably true. And do you get treated as one of the? Do you get treated as one of the team, like one of the guys, when you're like on tour of them? Yeah. So that's the difference. I think if you're a house engineer and you're dealing with different bands every night, and they're coming in and they don't have their own guy, there's a very big separation. I mean, unless you get an instant rapport and you're like pally and friendly straight away, which can happen as well. But often, you know, you're just there to do a job, and mm. they're just hoping that as me as an engineer is going to make them sound good and they're going to get what they want in their monitors. So there, there isn't that kind of connection. But obviously when you start working with a band on a, a long-term basis, yeah, definitely feel part of the group and that's really great. That's really nice. And, you know, you go out for beers afterwards and stuff and, yeah, it, that's yeah. very reminiscent of, of touring and, and having having fun like that, yeah. But. What's, the, um, what's the best bit of what you do? you think your best bit of your job um, that's a very good question what is the best bit I think working nice. working with bands that you really really like and music that really gets you going um, and that maybe that surprises you You might recognise me from my collaborations with Radiohead and Stephen Hawking. I actually did a lot of his heavy lifting for him. Anyway, I'm here to tell you about Best Days Vintage. If you like sustainable vintage fashion, feel-good prints and positive well-being, then they're the guys for you. Visit them at 40 Elf Lane, Colchester, or online at bestdaysvintage.co.uk. Peace out, mother crushers. That you weren't expecting, and then and then making that sound really good, and knowing that you've. Your, your part to play in that has made it a, an amazing night and then watching the crowd react to that. Not necessarily getting the kudos yourself because that just basically that's, you don't get that as a sound engineer. Um, but that's fine as well, you know, it's not about you. It's about kind of contributing to this event that is going to be memorable and, and everyone's going to love and the band are going to love it and the crowd are going to love it and you know that you're your little part has, has been absolutely integral in making that happen uh, and for all the reasons you know because you've been a nice guy and everyone's relaxed and you know that's such a key part of it you know if, if you're tense and they're tense guaranteed it's going to be a shit gig yeah I mean we remember that right yeah we yeah. remember going to venues and the, the engineer just didn't care or was late yeah. and we had no time to sound check and, and he's just phoning it in so, so many times yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it sounds fine do you, and do you learn from that experience as, from a musician? Does it? Do you take that on board when you're doing your sound engineering to remember what that relationship was like, or do you just, or Definitely. do you fall back, or do you fall into old ways like other sound engineers? If you're doing it for ages, you just don't care. I'm sure I have. I'm sure I have. Like when I've been in a bad mood, because mm-hmm. you know, it, we all it's have. Inevitable. You, yeah, but I definitely try as hard as I can to to not be that guy. You know, not yeah. be the classic kind of cliche grumpy engineer who used to be in a band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The aging rocker. And did the did the second best thing. I don't see it like that. I feel yeah, I feel that's uh, that's another life away from me now. Like that whole band thing. Yeah. Well um, you're not really working in the world where it is sort of indie bands, is it? The sort of No anymore. That's true. 
That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't do that. I do kind of. Well, Blues Kitchen is this kind of funk, soul, blues, mm-hmm. rock, and then the the bands that I've been working with separately have mainly been kind of brass bands and that kind of thing. You do more like world world music kind of. Well, music, it, yeah. So I work for an organisation that does kind of world and folk and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but indie stuff, no. I, I, there's one band that I work with uh, called Post Louis, and they, I, I suppose they're kind of a an indie electro band, um, kind of shoegazy, which is quite cool. But apart from that, it's yeah, it's very different. Does it make a difference? Like, do you have to change your techers if you're doing, say, a classic guitar band versus a band that's got brass in it or electro and stuff? Does it change the way you approach it, or is it the same? Is it just all the same? Professionalism a is a little bit. I'd, I'd say the theory is, that, yeah, the, the basics are the same. I think if you're working with acoustic instruments, there is a different approach because um, it's difficult to get, let's say an acoustic guitar or a trumpet or a saxophone or that kind of stuff in the mix and balanced with the rest of the band if it's like a very loud band as opposed to like a four-piece guitar band where you've got drums, bass, guitar and vocals and maybe keyboards. That's, it's, it, yeah, it's much more simplistic approach. And when you start getting, you know, other acoustic instruments, double bass can be a pain in the ass. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, I suppose you do adapt it a little bit, and yeah, I mean, generally speaking, for those kind of bands, the style will dictate how you mix it as well. So drummers won't tend to be as loud if it's not rock Thank or God. indie. Is that where it starts yeah. from? It starts with the drums, right? If the drummer's like giving it all thunder and hell, then everything becomes a lot more difficult. But if a drummer's a bit more chilled on the ride cymbals for example then you're able to kind of control it a bit more but again it depends on the the kind of venue because you can you can deal with that much more easily if it's it's a a massive room okay but in a small room yeah you're always struggling to get above the drums (laughs) sure but um you know that feeling yeah you know we I think we used to have engineers tell us to turn down and it's it's a horrible thing to be asked but it's it definitely works. Yeah. <laughs> if everyone turns down, you, you, everything can be heard much better, but then obviously you lose the energy. Yeah. So it's tricky to get that balance. You don't want to piss the band off so that they can't give a performance. Yeah. And then do you, are, yeah. you, are you kind of good with that? Like, do you, you like, yeah, I understand how a band feels about these sort of, these sort of issues? Because I suppose half the time it's all about explaining things, right? It's working with a band and explaining why, and then... Not just telling them to turn yeah. down and not giving them any kind yeah. of... And having empathy towards yep. their needs that must help a lot with how you approach it. Yeah, and it's really hard. It's a really hard balance because you can you can get technical and mm. then you've lost them. Yeah, and then just like, well, I don't understand what you're talking about. Mm. Um, I just want my vocal louder. Yeah, do it, please. And you, yeah. and if you're trying to explain, well, you know, there's a, a drummer like a foot away from you who's yeah smashing his cymbals. Do you ever? Do you ever, actually? That's a good. That. Like, that's a good question. Do you ever get? Difficult. Have you ever had like really difficult band members to deal with? Yeah, well, Blues Kitchen, one of the house bands, is I've had issues with because the singer's a massive diva, <laughs> like beyond any proportion that I've ever had to deal with before. And she's got this almost like nervous tick that she always asks for more vocal in her monitor. And then you know, I talk to her bandmates, and they're literally left and right of her. And they're like, I honestly can't deal with the fact that her vocal is so loud in her monitors. It's like shrieking out at them. And they can't hear what they're doing because her vocal is so Mm. loud. And she refuses to wear like in-ear monitors or earplugs just to reduce the volume of the rest of the stage. And it's like, well, what can you do about that? So you just kind of, you know, smile and nod and be like, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely putting a bit more up there, yeah. And then, uh, but the, the rest of the band, the kind of, rest of the band are with you, saying, "Fucking hell, she's a nightmare." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's, it's does she get away with it because she's really good? She's a very good singer, mm. but she's in yeah, yeah. She's playing she's in the blues singer. kitchen. I mean, come on, she must be. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's not oh, like right, she's yeah. more like Kerry. You know, well, true. Yeah, 
But anyway, I shouldn't badmouth. I don't work there anymore. <laughs> no. So, uh, no, well, so you can badmouth. Love it. Yeah. it. I, I have a question. <laughs> okay. Raf, what sort of advice, tips would you give to younger people who are looking to get into this sort of industry? So, yeah, no, I was thinking that you might ask me that. So I prepared some notes. Oh, lovely. That's what we um, love from a guest. Bear in mind, we've only got about three, four minutes. <laughs> three, four minutes, okay. Have you got well, a PowerPoint presentation? Yeah, nearly. <laughs> no. Um, I think the most important thing is if you're interested, then just begin now. Start, like, whatever it is. Go to your... Well, it's obviously easier said than done at this moment in time, but go to your local venue. Shadow the house engineer. Tell them that you're really keen and they will show you the ropes if they're nice enough. Most most people like imparting their knowledge. It feels nice. It feels nice to kind of teach someone what you know and to see them actually take it on board. So don't be afraid. Just go go and find out what you can and start simple. Don't feel like you need to know everything immediately, which is what I kind of felt when I started. I was like, I have to know everything straight away and it's impossible you know it does take time for everything all the concepts to bed in so start simple start on a small analog board understand signal flow like how how the signal comes from the microphone into the desk and back out into the speakers and the monitor get all of that all the basics done and then from there then you can start experimenting you know with effects and stuff like that and maybe move on to a digital board after a little while I mean, people who listen to your podcast, I imagine, are of a generation now where digital equipment is probably much, much easier to come to terms with and software that you get um, is, yeah, it's just part of the course. You just learn it quite quickly. But for me, yeah, the, the, the leap from analog to digital was quite a big one. And I was very, very afraid of, of using digital equipment. It took me quite a long time to kind of get used to the, the different way that it worked. But yeah, just just begin as soon as you can. Um, I regret starting so late in my thirties. Um, if I if I'd gone to college a bit sooner, or if I'd you know shown any interest that I had in my head um, physically while we were in studios and while we were playing in gigs. You know, I would have been much further along the road by now than I am. And, I'm, you know, I'm doing fine at the moment. But, yeah, I mean, I had all those opportunities to learn loads more from amazing people that we've worked with, and I just didn't take them. So I regret that. So if you are in those positions, like, make the most of it. Like, if you are in bands and you are playing and you are working with cool people, like, get all the knowledge that you possibly can out of them because they'll, on the whole, they'll be happy to help you. So you wish you you wish you'd milked Rick dry. Absolutely, and the rest. And <laughs> um, because um, we want to we want to do a little bound for life, but before we go on to that, um, what's what's going to happen with the future? Where do you see the future? Where we are? Do you think we'll it will bounce back? Like live, live music, live you music, and your role. You just got to hang on in there until it's ready. But you think it will. I, I flip between being really positive and really pessimistic about how long it's going to take. I was listening to a podcast the other day with a guy who had tried to kind of lay it all out, map it all out, and he seemed to think there'd be a renaissance in four years. <laughs> Fucking hell. Four years' time is how long it will take for everything to get to as normal as it was before the pandemic. That's not to say that stuff will happen sooner. It's just that we're going to be dealing with a lot of these kind of psychological problems that have manifested now, such as, you know, social distancing and having people packed into a venue, sweaty, you know, mm. like drinking. That might take a while for that to come back. So that, that actual like visceral, lovely kind of feeling of being packed in a room with loads of other people listening to your favourite music, that might take a while. But live gigs will come quite soon. It's just going to be different. Do you... Um you think there's going to be a lot of casualties between there, now and then? Festivals yeah. going bankrupt? Um, yeah. Into the Absolutely. music industry? There's no, there's, no, there's no way that it won't happen like that, unfortunately. But, uh, and, and this isn't 
nice or helpful for anyone who are in those positions now necessarily to say this but out of those ashes new ideas and new companies and new venues will emerge mm -hmm. and that's just how how it goes I think unfortunately for people who are, who are losing their jobs now you know on the bright side they've got to think well it will come back maybe not in the way that it has been but it and are you working? Yeah, there's always going to be a, an excitement. There's always, I mean, can you imagine when it's going to be okay to happen again? There's going to be such a a mad flurry of activity. There's going to be so many festivals, so many like concerts. And but, yeah, especially if it happens in spring next year, it'd just be this mad dash to get tours booked in. And yeah, Do you, have you working? Are you working at the moment, or are you literally? Are you what? What are you doing? I work I work part time at the moment for a music charity, so thankfully I've got that um, to keep me going. And, and as I was saying, it, uh, there's a little bit of kind of engineering work that I have to do for that. But other than that, I did one gig um, in September, and that was it. And that's probably going to be the case for the next six months as well. I think I can't imagine that I'm going to have any regular work. And is it making you think I need to look elsewhere, or are you thinking I'm just gonna? Yeah, it is. no, definitely, definitely. I'm I'm really concerned about that because um, yeah, we can't survive um, as a family like that for much longer. So I don't know what my second backup plan is going to be. But um, yeah. <laughs> thinking hard on it, um, yeah, maybe I'll do more more of what I'm doing at the moment: education work. But um, yeah, it's tricky. I'm, you know, we're, we're in the middle of moving house as well, so I've got to think about trying to find a job where we're moving to and what's available there. But yeah, we'll just have to see. But you're quite good at kind of improvising, I guess, right? And not stressing out too much, or not yet. I mean, you say quite good at improvising. I mean, yeah, it's, it's ironic. I've been freelance for most of my life, but I feel like. I'm not a great freelancer. <laughs> um, I find it quite difficult, actually. I think I'd, I'd much prefer the life of just getting a regular paycheck and uh, just, yeah, just having that job security. I find it quite hard, the idea of always having to... Um, generate your own work. Generate your own work and, and yeah, hustle. Yeah. I'm not a great hustler. And in a time like this where the competition is so big, well, it will be, because so many people have lost their jobs so it's, it's going to be tough yeah but you know maybe that's good maybe that makes makes it yeah concentrates the mind mm. well yeah you're not alone mate are you it's difficult mm. no but what I'm very pleased is that you guys are doing so well that's um warming warming my cockles sitting in our sitting in our golden thrones <laughs> made of money <laughs> was that mixing my metaphors there <laughs> Cockles, is that right? Yeah. Jay, yeah. you would know this. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. I think it's great what you've managed to achieve, and and you know, with this other lockdown, you seem to be all right. You're doing good stuff online, so well done. Well, thanks very much. Yeah. Finally, some respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Acknowledgement. Yeah. 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 Look, they're the sound, man. Uh, okay, so um, we're going to do our regular feature called Band for Life. Have we asked you before? You have, and I gave a really kind of smarty pants answer, I think, so I'll try and I'll try again. Okay, because okay, we couldn't remember. Yeah, I thought you'd done, done one, yeah. Okay, go on, yeah. hit us with two bands. So my two bands are Beach House uh -huh. and Clean Bandit. <laughs> Clean Bandit? I don't even know. The... <laughs> they do like pop. 
pop. Like sort of cheesy pop electro stuff, okay. I think. So I'm going to guess then, Raph, that it's um, going to be... Well, Beach House are great, yeah. and I think, I'm pretty sure Raph likes them. So. Yep. So Beach House <laughs> is your band for life, and Clean... Why do you hate Clean Bandit so much? Ask... <laughs> oh, my God. Clean Ask Bandit. Don't get me started. Yeah. I, they just They just cause fury in my soul. Oh, cool. Um, oh, they, yeah. They, they released a couple of singles like about 10 years ago and they were really good. They were really interesting and I was like, oh yeah, who's this new band? They're really cool. And they kind of mixed classical instruments with kind of electro synthy poppy kind of stuff but in a, in a, in a kind of a cool way. And then since then they they went down the very commercial, very like mainstream route and it's it's absolutely hateful music. It's, <laughs> it's asinine, kind of bottom of the barrel bullshit. It's just so bad. And they've, the, yeah, I mean, just the lineup is really annoying. They've got this, I can't remember if it's cellist or violinist, but she's like, she tries to talk kind of really sexy stuff and she's just really annoying. And she's always in every single video, like naked, hiding behind a cello or something. Oh, sure. It's just, um, that sounds right, that bit. I knew you'd say that, but uh, no, it's just really—it's awful, awful music, and it's so popular, and I can't for the life of me understand why. And like, they, you know, they're always playing festivals, and it's just like just terrible, terrible music. Sorry, anyway, that's yeah. enough of that. Yeah, sure. Let's end but, um, with the positive. Let's do that. Beach House. I saw Beach House. Um, for the first time when I went to a festival called All Tomorrow's Parties which is at Butlins in Minehead and they made me cry um, the first time I saw them they were so good and have a go at your receding hairline or something or mm, yeah, I was wearing a hat no one, no one can see um, and <laughs> yeah it, it was just incredible I thought, I thought, yeah, the, the, that album, Teen Dream, it's, I think, the second album. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the first album sounds like, but that album was just absolutely amazing. And then the one that came after that was also incredible. And I remember that, just driving on holiday with that on the stereo. And it's just it's beautiful music. The, the latest album I'm not so sure about, but, yeah, those two middle albums, just those alone, good enough reason to take them with me forever. Nice. They are. It's very dreamy, kind of lose yourself music, isn't it? It's kind of. Mm. It sounds great on headphones. You can just kind of. It's like proper escaping music, which I I'm a big fan of. Her house. voice as well is just amazing. Mm. So. You unique. thought she was a man, didn't you? Was that you? No. Maybe Matt. Matt thought. Matt Steve's brother. He thought it was a band singing. Yeah. Oh. But it is in fact a woman. A woman. That's it. Should we? touch on a little fashion. bit of fashion yeah, yeah. I was thinking that. You got... and I wanted to just say if there was any stories Raph related stories he wanted to uh, <laughs> share on the podcast as we have such as a, a rich yeah <laughs> <laughs> have such a rich shared history do you do you have do you look back on those times and think what do you think about the fashion at the time do you look back and cringe or do you think ah, you know looking good there looking decent um I Not just you what, personally, but us as let, a band. Uh, well, I was going to I was going to talk personally for a while because okay. I had some questionable facial hair for quite a lot of that time. <laughs> um, so yeah, particularly one music video we did, and I've got some crazy the darkness kind of <laughs> handlebar moustache going on. I mm-hmm. Can't believe you didn't bring me up on that at the time. Um, we, we all had our own problems going. On. <laughs> 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 The Incredible Hulk next to me. <laughs> Good point. Um, but yeah, no, as a band, I thought, I thought, yeah, the, the finger was on the pulse back in the mid noughties I mean, that was the kind of the get up that an indie band was supposed to wear. I think so. I, I don't think we were any different. No. I think there was, yeah, there was there was some funny moments. Was it I important think. to you, fashion, Steve's, when you were playing? Steve's iconic look. In uh, Colchester, oh, the, the tank, tank top, top and the I love mum tattoo—that <laughs> yeah. was, right. was a good moment. Do but, you, uh, um, was it important to you, fashion, when you were playing, or were you just dragged along with it, or did you, or you, did you feel it was important? I I knew that it was important, but I've never been 
massively conscious about trends, and so I kind of relied on on you, you guys, and obviously working. You say that. Look at that cardigan. Come on. Shop. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. No. I, I I kind of bowed to your superior knowledge of tastes and trends. I think. Do, have you found that since you became a father? Did you do you feel like subconsciously subconsciously you're dressing more like a dad? Yeah, I've definitely changed. I mean, yeah. you know, the whole era of skinny jeans and that kind of stuff is well and truly gone. <laughs> I just look ridiculous if I do anything like that these days. So yeah, I'm I'm much more kind of dad look sensible. And if you uh, if you're going to go out on a Friday night with the boys downtown. What's your, what, what are you wearing now then? What's your outfit now? Yeah, we're meeting. Well, you know us what? three are meeting I, uh, up. We're going to talk about the old days. That I hadn't. Sorry, what? Imagine you're meeting up with us two. Yeah. We're meet, You know, we're going to chat about the old times. Yeah. Going to hit a few bars. Get absolutely leathered. Yeah. Like three bloody blokes. What are you wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing? Shirt and shoes, probably. Well, no trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Right, let's arrange this meet-up <laughs> as soon as the pubs are back open. Just underpants. Possibly a thong. Oh! <laughs> yeah. A shirt. Um, really later. No, I'm, I'm rocking a, a pair of Levi's at the moment. Uh-huh. Um, Classic. Uh, yeah, I, I put on a blazer for the other day, the other day for, for the first time in many a moon. Yeah. Tara said I look quite handsome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, you got to take the compliments where you can get them these days. Yeah. That's that's a big big deal. Yeah. That's right up there. Okay. But um, what would you be wearing? Mm, don't know. Probably leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. Steve goes for the sort of rock, rock, rock look, classic yeah. rock look, and just probably wears pajama bottoms. <laughs> no, no, and just do these days. Yeah, I'm still desperately trying to. Maintain some level of uh, youthfulness. Oh, yeah. I'd probably wear a cap. <laughs> I was going to say, where do you stand on the use of a, a hat as a prop these days? Yeah, I, I often wear a trucky cap these days to uh, give the yeah. illusion that I'm younger than I am. <laughs> it goes a long way, actually, to be fair. I think, mm. I think it's working for me. Mm. Steve? Got the people of cultures to fool. Uh, I, I don't really wear... I used to wear a lot of trilbies and big fedoras, but I don't really wear them anymore, but... I tried to wear a fisherman's hat the other day, but I did no look good in it. No, what about your little woolly hat? Doesn't what does your wife say? That that, that fisherman's one. Oh, oh right. So I look like um, I look like I was running a mosque. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Running one. Yeah. Yeah. Running. <laughs> yeah, not just one of the minions. He's like the head mosque man, <laughs> the, the head honcho. honcho. Yeah, I don't know what, he, what he's called. The Iman. Iman. Yeah, like an Iman. Yeah. You look like Iman. <laughs> Do the voice. Oh. That's what Slavka's voice. Oh, right. Yeah, but still, we'd got away with it for so long. At least yeah. didn't do the this Japanese bit, voice this week. This so bit gets chopped. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, does yeah. it though? Yeah. But that's it. And I tried to wear a hipster beanie, basically, but it looked—it was too small for my head, and it looked like I was like, yeah, it looked like a dickhead. This is an audio. Yeah. Uh, what you're doing so yeah. Hands. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. Well, it's, it's harder as you get older to kind of look. Quite, but we are in fashion, so you bloody think we want to be doing it. Yeah, you've got to make a degree of effort. Yeah, it? yeah. But do you find it exhausting? Like, because I find the whole idea of like even just going to a shop and looking for some clothes exhausting. My, my arms get like pain, <laughs> painful, like just sifting through the, the, the yeah. hangers. But do you not like find it just like so tiring, just it's, keeping up with the latest? Spend our entire weeks doing it. But we're sitting here talking to you on a podcast, looking over the side of the mezzanine to see two men. A couple of young studs. A couple of young men shooting product, you know. That's what their flashes is, is just going off. That's it. I'm sure if we weren't working in the fashion industry, it would would be totally different. We'd probably be in sensible sensible clothes. I don't know. No, okay. Uh, Okay, so to finish off... Um, is there anything you would like to tell the world, Raf, right now? Promote or say goodbye to? No, no, no I don't think so. Sorry, nothing. Sorry. Nothing Cheers. that springs to mind. Well, what I wanted to ask, I wanted to sort of touch on them. I know we've run out of time, but I just want to touch on the mental health side of things, just because we often yeah. forget to talk about that. I because I often talk about on this pod about how when the band split up, that was mental health wise, that was my lowest kind of mm. ebb. 
because, like you said, they're just lack, your life lacking direction. You don't know what you're going to do with your life. Couldn't sleep at all. How do you remember how you felt at that time? How and how did you get past it? How did you deal with it? I was a mess. I was a total mess at the time. I mean, I, I was like I was saying, I was working in a, a charity call centre. Um, and you know, you, you you think about like feeling rejected with the, you know, not being able to carry on with the the career that you wanted, and you just generally feeling like a failure. Try. Try being in a call centre where you're calling people up and they're slamming the phone down on you God. to exacerbate those feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, no, it was a very dark time, and and uh, yeah, just just that knowledge that I hadn't got a clear idea of what I was going to do next. I was I was um, I was quite scared. Yeah. Actually, I was like, oh my god, how have these ten years passed and I basically don't have anything for show to show yeah. for it. <laughs> Um, it's exactly how but I that that segued into like very quickly kind of thinking well you know I, I've got these skills I can kind of try and put my mind to something that isn't a million miles away and that I enjoy and I'm, I'm glad that worked out because it quite easily couldn't have done you know I could have like just lost confidence and stopped hmm. and then got an office job yeah. but I, I, I did persevere with it and I'm really pleased that I did so. yeah it was That's highly commendable. Well, out of all of us, you were the one that kind of continued in that industry, yeah. weren't you? Really, you flirted with a bit of other music, but well, we all, we all did, didn't we? Like when because Nick tried to do his session drumming. Do you remember that? Yeah. And formed, formed another band. He joined another band. Helen was like doing her solo stuff, and me and her had a little sort of project, and then yeah, I suppose you were the, you were the one who kind of just well, you were doing stuff at the Steels, weren't you? Like kind of festivals, putting on little gigs and stuff, promoted yeah. more. So we all had a little go at it, but you're, you're the only one that sort of stayed in the in the industry. So props to you. Yeah. You win. Um, <laughs> no props to my bank account, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not everything, is it? No, yeah. Yeah, we know that. Money isn't always happiness. Yeah. That's no. true. No, it's yeah. about contentment. Mm. Whatever that means. That's it. That's it. And that is a nice, yeah, way, to a nice way to end con- contentment. How do you spell that? C-O-N-T-E-N-T meant yeah there you go <laughs> why did you have to spell it out contentment is uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the spelling podcast thanks as everyone well. to listening to the failed rockstar club podcast the podcast that today has been interviewing a musician and a sound engineer about their journey in music a bit of mental health definitely a bit of fashion yep and to some advice some advice yeah so it's a nice way to end, I think. Yeah. So as always, go to bestdaysvintage.co.uk for all your failed rockstar club needs, as well as all our vintage stuff and the other stuff we do. Follow us on all the social media channels. Thank you very much to Raf for being this week's guest. Thank you. Thank you for being you. And hopefully we'll see you properly soon. Once the uh, We should have a pre-Christmas drinky if we can. Oh, that would be lovely. Meet up. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Okay. But so we can arrange yeah. this off the tape. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, bye! The nose. 